You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. we got Kip Adams with me today on this Tuesday as we are getting ready for what will probably be another busy week in the lead-up to the Beach Bowl for Georgia in a few weeks. Um, got a lot to tackle on this episode, but I think uh, we would be remiss not to start with the big news in college football with the death of Mike Leach on Monday night. Mike Leach, uh, one of the pioneers of the air raid offense, an offense that was so huge in college football, um, only 61 years old, uh, really kind of rose to fame as far as coaching at Texas Tech, um, but you know had been in Valdosta State with Hal Mummy, um, had gone with Hal to Kentucky, offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. Again, coach at Texas Tech, a lot of success there. As a fan, kind of coming up at that time, uh, I'll always kind of think about those offenses and Michael Crabtree making that catch against Texas and they beat Texas. Uh, went on coach at Washington State, coach at Mississippi State the last three seasons. Um, terribly sad. Just uh, an awful day, in my opinion, for college football. He was truly a character that uh, you know there was nobody else like. And I thought uh, Bill Connolly on uh, VSBN made a really good comparison this morning when he said he was like a family member. And, you know, sometimes he'd say some stuff and you'd be like, well, Mike, I don't really agree with that. But, uh, you know, you you loved him and uh, you I think the sport was better uh, with characters like him in it, because, you know, I think college football has changed so much uh, over the course of time. And, you know, there's the, the number of personalities in this sport. I don't, I don't think it's quite like it used to be with people like Spurrier and Bobby Bowden, people of that. Uh, mindset and sort of that way of going about doing their thing. Uh, Mike Leach was very much of that kind of uh, persona. Um, and it, it's such a uh, tough news to hear that uh, he's no longer with us. Uh, Kip, what, what are your memories, uh, things that come to mind when it comes to Mike Leach and uh, just what he meant to you as a fan of the sport? In, in a landscape of coach speak, Mike Leach had no filter. He told it like it is, for better or for worse, whether it's profane, appropriate, uh, profound. Uh, you know, we always knew to tune in anytime he had a microphone in front of him because he was going to, you know, provide a gift to us for that day. We would be talking about it, usually, you know, smiling. He would bring a smile to all of our faces, regardless of fan base. And you see that in all the coaches and all the fan bases that are reaching out uh, to just give their thoughts to, you know, the former Mississippi State coach and that fan base that's dealing with the shocking news. 
you see not just the legacy that he had, but just the impact that, you know, college football doesn't have to be, you know, a, an uptight, you know, just uh, these speeches or quotes that you know that we that are canned or or you know that this seemed like you're you're reading from a script i don't think mike leach ever read from a script and and that was you know something that's going to have a lasting memory but then also you see all the people telling stories of how he went out of his way to make their day or their experience their life easier you know whether it's the reporters uh other coaches uh, you know the 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 fact that he tried to find, you know, Cadillac Williams before the game to make the handshake as easy as possible because he knew how much Cadillac had on his plate before that game. Uh, you know, just all of these stories. And then, you know, you think about the Egg Bowl. And I think, if you know, the best way to honor Mike Leach is to think about his quote after that game. He said, the better we'll, we get, the more we'll be able to ho hoist trophies. And if that's all it takes, I'm going to invent a trophy for every game so they can try to hoist something up. He was always thinking about, you know, uh, ways to bring more enjoyment to the game of football. And I think that's how we should honor him. We should create a trophy for every football game and every matchup. Make a name for every single, uh, you know, game that's played, non-conference, conference, and, and make sure we have a trophy for every game to remember just everything, the the color and the enjoyment that he brought to the game of college football, that a, a guy who had a law degree from Pepperdine uh, could, you know, come in here and and outsmart all the co these college football coaches that, you know, thought that there was a certain way you had to do things every game. And he taught us that there's not a, there's not a certain way you have to do things at any time. And he did it his way all the way through. And I, I think, you know, we were all better for having them in our lives. And I think that we need to remember that uh, as we go on our day-to-day -day actions and, and get back to you know, just covering the game of football and, and talking about football. Cause uh, I just, I, I never really had a, a negative thought about Mike Leach. I always just thought, you know, this guy is everything I love about this game. And uh, I just, I'm glad to have seen him for the short time that we did. And it just, it is still shocking that it, it was so short. A couple of games against Georgia in 2020 and 2022, uh, a shootout in Athens in 2020, 31 24, and then going to Starkville this year, 45 19, Georgia wins. Uh, one of the bright spots that I have seen today following the news that uh, Mike Leach has passed was the amount of stories people have posted on social media. You know, just sitting here thinking about it, I compare it to Bill Murray. You know, people always talk about, yeah, I was, you know, like in, in this bar in Chicago and I turn around and Bill Murray's buying people drinks. You know, I've seen all kinds of, you know, stories that people are sharing and that's been really nice. And just to sort of wrap this up, um, obviously thoughts and prayers with Mike Leach's wife, Sharon, their kids, their grandkids, the Mississippi State community and really the college football community as a whole, because this was a huge figure in this sport that we've lost. And I wanted to read just part of this quote that Cliff Kingsbury, who played for Mike Leach at Texas Tech, obviously has gone on to have a lot of success as a head coach in his own right. He said, our sport was better because of Mike Leach and is far less interesting without him. And to me, that, that totally sums up Mike Leach. Uh, so switching gears, uh, Kip, let's talk a little bit about this past weekend and uh, you know what was going on for one Stetson Bennett. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, I spent the week at home just uh, seeing how dreary the weather was. Uh, what You know, it rained off and on every day, pretty cloudy. But uh, 
Now, what did you have going on this week, this past week? Oh, nothing. Uh, was able to go up to New York, which, uh, funny enough, that was the first time I have ever been to New York City. Um, got to go up there with Stetson Bennett being a Heisman finalist. And uh, it was kind of funny, and I wrote about this in a column yesterday. I totally had understood there was the possibility Stetson could go to New York, but it's like I hadn't really thought about it. And I definitely didn't think about it from my perspective of what that would mean. And I'm watching, I'm actually cooking dinner. I'm watching uh, NFL Countdown, and they go in alphabetical order. So the very first thing they say is Stetson. And I'm like, wait, should, <laughs> should, I, should I go to New York for this? And, uh, you know, credit to our boss and, and also credit to my fiance. I was like, are you going to be okay if I leave for essentially a week? And she's like, yeah, yeah, that's all right. I uh, got to go up there. Such a fun experience. I mean, I had a great time in New York as a whole. Uh, enough of sort of uh, uh, time between the schedules to kind of see New York and uh, also get to, you know, interview all the players and, and get a chance to kind of pick their brains about being in New York for the Heisman. Uh, you know, I, I don't think anyone expected Setson Bennett to win. Uh, I, I was, again, I thought there was a chance he could be a finalist, but I didn't expect him to win. thought there was a chance maybe he could finish third in the final vote, maybe over C.J. Stroud. He finishes fourth. Uh, to me, and, and again, this was another column I wrote on Sunday on my way back to Atlanta, he had nothing to lose going up there. And he struck me in the interviews we did with him. We had a couple chances to talk to him on his own. And there was also a press conference with all four finalists. Uh, I think it was the a situation where Stetson was just taking it all in. He did not strike me as someone that was of the mindset: if I don't win, then you know what did I do? You know, I wasted three or four days. I think he understood the magnitude of just being there. Again, it had been thirty years since a Georgia player was a Heisman finalist, Garrison Hurst, way back in nineteen ninety two. I think he was there to sort of enjoy the entire moment and uh, was really struck. Uh, you could kind of bounce around and, and talk to some of the other players. And, you know, I, I think those guys really did appreciate Stetson's story and what it took to get there. I was particularly impressed just with what C.J. Stroud, Ohio State's quarterback, a guy that's going to face off against Bennett in a few weeks. You know, he said, I, I tip my cap to him, man. And, and he said that he told Stetson, you know, how cool is it that you get to inspire people with your story? Um, it, it was just so cool. And uh, one of the uh, downsides of covering the Heisman, you're not in the room when they are uh, doing the ceremony. We were not even in the same building. Um, they they kind of had us set up watching on projectors. But still, just to hear Kirby talk about it, to hear Setson's parents talk about it. Uh, I know he didn't come home with a new trophy, but I, I still think regardless, what a great experience for a guy that, you know, this guy is going to be a Georgia legend. And, uh, I mean, has already done so much to, to make his story one of the most unique and, and one of the craziest in college football history. Yeah, I, I, I knew you were going to be outside of that room. I had read that that's, that's how it uh, went down. And it brought back just such pleasant memories of of me going up to Brooklyn to cover Isaiah Wilson's announcement and getting up there. You know, the twenty four seven Sports flew me up there to to cover that announcement. A five star offensive tackle at the time, and I get there and uh, I'm just I'm in the uh, 
an office with a whiteboard and they just they just uh pull down the projection screen and i proceed to watch a 72 minute long christmas pageant uh, which ended with a six foot seven uh elf you know pulling a dog out of a out of a box a gift box there uh just uh you know different experiences for us but this had that one similarity there and i think for you know just the cj stroud aspect just the fact that stetson bennett was his host you know georgia got in there and was trying to delay cj stroud coming out of high school and, and stetson bennett was was the host for cj stroud during his official visit it's a so i think this him being in new york um it's just it is just part of that journey just uh you know that we're all watching that this quarterback that was counted you know counted out and 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 doubted at every single aspect uh, continues to surprise everyone and and but maybe not himself i think this was probably a surprise for him just because i think he just locked in to the playoffs in that team aspect and and what you know the goal is for georgia uh and what they have ahead of them this was probably like just cold water being splashed from his face, going up to New York and, and going through all of that and seeing it. Uh, you, you can only hope that he was able to just catch his breath, take a moment and, and kind of just take it all in and, and, and know that he earned that. You know, he earned the the just the opportunity to be there and, and to have people actually praise him and say, this isn't the generational defense that got you here. Your level of play was, was you know, uh, elite. And, and you were one of the best players in college football this year for one of the best teams in college football. And so you, you hope Stetson Bennett was able to, to, you know, just acknowledge that to himself and, you know, that he got back and, and probably just pushed that to the side and, and it's right back to work for him. And a Georgia team that, as you said, with C.J. Stroud uh, will be facing once again, once the best players in, in college football kind of funny the way it all worked out with C.J. Stroud, who, who mentioned Georgia was probably second behind Ohio State when he was being recruited. Caleb mm-hmm. Williams was also a player that visited Georgia that Stetson hosted, and he talked a little bit about that. Um, favorite memories out of that trip, you know, a lot of really cool moments going to Cat's Deli, um, kind of getting to go around to one of the little shopping villages and get to see and do a little Christmas shopping, mark a, a few things off the list. But in terms of the Heisman, I think the memory that's going to stick with me, and, and it's something that I'm going to try to write about in the next day or so, there's a press conference on Saturday before the big show. And uh, one of the last questions is actually Dog Nation's Connor Riley, who asked it to each of the finalists, you know, how did your team's success essentially get you here? And Stetson was the first person who answered it and, you know, talked about, you know, what the team was able to do, how that helped him, and obviously put him in a position to be a finalist. All four players answer they're getting ready to end the press conference and Stetson kind of leans in the mic and is like, can, can I say one more thing? And they're like, yeah. And uh, he took the time to really credit the scout team and said, you know, how much they prepare and, you know, their games are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, our practices. That just really struck me. I mean, you know, again, he was a guy that was in that position. And I think that he understood sort of the moment he had and, and sort of I think had a moment where he was like, man, I really should say something about those guys. <laughs> Uh, that that really struck me and impressed me. And again, I think he really made the most of uh, that weekend in New York. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, talk about the upcoming signing period, talk about the transfer portal, and uh, just sort of what we expect to see on that front from the Bulldogs. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everybody. Well, let's start when we talk about the next few weeks and, and what we are expecting to see. Let's start with the transfer portal. Um, at this point, and as we're talking, uh, making sure to note this, it's Tuesday, December 13th at 1221 Eastern Time because things can change. By the time we post this, things could have changed. Um, but as of now, Georgia hasn't landed anybody in the portal. And at this point, Bill Norton, defensive lineman, is the only Georgia player to go into the portal. And that obviously could change as we go forward in the days and weeks to come. Now, Kip, we know Georgia has offered a couple of wide receivers out of the portal at this point. Rara Thomas from Mississippi State, Dante Cephas from Kent State. Rara Thomas was on campus this weekend uh, to get a chance to kind of check out Georgia. Sounds like also uh, Auburn and Tennessee are in the mix for the former Mississippi State wide receiver. Uh, what are your early thoughts on what we've heard, what we've seen so far, as far as the portal is concerned for Georgia with both um, players they're targeting, and then also seeing a guy like Bill Norton go into the portal. Well, I'll, I'll start with Bill Norton. I mean, it's you know it's obvious that that Georgia has built pretty good depth on the defensive line, and you know this is just normal. It's going to happen, and you get you just look at the transfer portal. He won't be the only one. I mean, Georgia has had five to ten guys leave via the transfer portal the last couple of years very successful years and, and it's going to continue because guys want to see the field. And, and so it honestly, this was normal before uh, normal off season attrition. Uh, I think, you know, covering Georgia for, I think this is year 16, 17. I've lost count at this point, but uh, usually I would count in the off season. It, it, the average would be about, you know, seven guys each off season that would not be on the roster by the time the, you know, the, the season started. That was well before the transfer portal. It's just, you know, things happen. Back then, they'd have to hang up the cleats. You know, it was like you had medical red shirts. You had guys that are just like, I'm not seeing the field. And so I'm not, you know, I'm I, I'm just going to go ahead and get my degree and move on. But now, you know, you have the opportunity. You know, you don't have to just graduate before you can go to another team and play immediately. You can leave. And so it, it, this is just going to be a normal part of college football. And I'm sure that uh, Bill Norton will, will find a chance to, to get on the field, probably at a pretty good program. And as for Georgia, we've said it, we, we made it clear, you know, what Georgia was going to be looking for in the transfer portal. And I think their actions so far have kind of backed that up is they need help a wide receiver. Uh, you know, is they need guys who can come in, make an impact, but they also just need depth. And we saw this, well, the, the one thing we were talking about most of the year and, 
honestly, last year as well, is uh, they didn't have enough playmakers at wide receiver. We were talking about guys being hurt, whether it's Arian Smith, obviously George Pickens last season, and, and you look at A.D. Mitchell this year. You know, what their offense was missing without uh, more than, you know, one or two guys that they can depend on. You know, Brock Bowers, outstanding talent. Uh, Lab McConkey made a lot of plays for Georgia this year, but you need more than that these days. And it's not just, I mean, it's not just the fact that Georgia rotates its guys. It's its just that you got to have got more than two or three guys f- so opposing defenses can't key in on those guys. And and honestly, you look, look at Georgia's wide receiver position and you talk about, you know, why can't they get elite playmakers? Why don't they, they rack the stats up? I also just got to look at the way that Kirby Smart stresses his players the way that he makes them practice every day this brand of football that georgia likes to play and why they've been so successful physicality and that takes its toll on guys at the wide receiver position as well they have to be able to be out go out there and be physical they need to be able to you know set the perimeter for the run game and they they have to do that every day in practice as well and it, it is not easy that is why Georgia rotates its wide receivers because of the the stress per snap that they that they ask of their guys, and that's helped them be very successful. And so you got to have more than just two or three guys because the chances are you might have a guy get hurt, and, and you, you got to have these guys as fresh as possible. And you just look at Rara Thomas; that's a guy that's six two, two hundred pounds, and has the ability to you know uh, break tackles yards after the catch. It's clear that he is highly valued by the Georgia coaching staff, and they went ahead and tried to get him in town as, as quickly as possible. We'll see, you know, if 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 he wants to make a decision before seeing other programs. Uh, I think the the 21st is when, the kind of the deadline there. That's a guy that they want to get and they want to add to the mix. Whether he's a one, two, or, or three or four receiver doesn't matter. Like I said, they need to have – up to six guys they can trust. And it's pretty clear that, you know, they did not have that many guys this season. I think also uh, the Missouri transfer, Dominic Lovett. We, you know, it was reported by Rusty this morning. Georgia's trying to get him on campus. If they're able to get him on campus this week, I mean, that's, that, that is a number one, number two guy right there. He's a dynamic weapon. And I think he could be a guy that, <laughs> could really change the whole dynamic of Georgia's offense. He had, I think, 56 catches, uh, 846 yards last last season. I think uh, that was third in the SEC behind Jalen Jalen Hyatt and I think Juice Wells at South Carolina. That's definitely a guy that that can you know change Georgia's overall outlook for next year in a hurry and and help whoever is the quarterback for the for the Bulldogs next season. He had six receptions for 84 yards in that game against Georgia and and really kind of had Georgia on its heels. I mean, there was really, uh, you know, looking back, that was the closest Georgia came to losing. And uh, I think that he would be a guy you would definitely want, but he's going to be a guy that a lot of teams are going after, so it's going to be something to watch. Um, It's such a busy and, and really unique time of the year, Kip, with the fact that once again, we have the early signing period. I believe that's the 21st that it's going to officially open up. Uh, Georgia is in good shape, as we know, in the recruiting uh, realm. Uh, they are ranked second nationally right now with 23 commits. Kip, what do you expect from this early signing period as far as 
how many guys that Georgia expects will probably go ahead and sign rather than waiting till February and, and any other targets they have that might decide to make an announcement this time. Yeah. Right now, Georgia's got uh, the number two class in the country, I believe. Um, I think that this group, it's a, uh, Really, really solid from top to bottom at different positions. I like the balance. 23 guys on board right now. And I think, yeah, they do plan to add a couple more guys. And you also just kind of look at this group and, and see, uh, you know, who's signing early. Right now, I think I have 13 or 14 guys that have gotten back to me and said they plan to sign and enroll early. Anytime you can get double-digit guys, not just to sign, but enroll early, it's huge. It's what Georgia's done under Kirby Smart, you know, getting everyone on campus early, getting them acclimated to college just going to college and then obviously spring football is big as well and there's a you know a couple guys that are signing early i think troy bowles chris peel kelton smith and the peyton woodring the kicker those guys are signing but they're enrolling after the spring semester still a couple guys i'm waiting to hear back from but i do think georgia adds to this group uh during the early signing period you got four-star defensive lineman jordan hall uh, I believe Kirby Smart is doing his in-home with him, uh, I believe, today and ma making sure to get in th that one visit and, and locking him down. That's a guy that George has been in good shape for throughout the cycle. But again, he he is, you know, being diligent with the process and, and making sure uh, he considers, you know, every program. I know that Florida, Alabama also still trying to, you know, stay in the mix with him as well. I, I, he is going to announce his decision and sign during the early signing period. And then five-star edge, Damon Wilson out of uh, Venice, Florida as well. He's a guy that, uh, you know, just Georgia made sure that they wanted to get that, you know, that last visit with him and and, and get in there and, and make a push for him as well, fighting Ohio State. Uh, I think that you look at those programs going back and forth on a recruit playing in this college football playoff. It's clear that both, you know, both programs are at, you know, performing at a high level right now. It's been back and forth between the two programs. I think, you know, the location has kind of emerged as a, a factor as it often does as players get closer to the decision, you know, talking with their family, their family's ability to, to come see them play easily. Uh, Georgia obviously has an edge in that aspect with, with Damon being from, from Venice, Florida. That's a guy that uh, if Georgia's able to land him, that that is either the number one or number two position in need right now. We talk wide receiver, the edge position. And Georgia is is building a strong class at the edge position. You get a guy 6'4", 230 pounds, the number two edge in the country on 24-7 sports uh, composite. Uh, that's a big get for Georgia. He is also planning on announcing his decision on December 21st. Kind of like where Georgia is right now. I think they got the momentum in his recruitment. So you're able to land a, a, two guys like that. You see what happens with uh, NC State running back commitment, Kyron Jones. Uh, out of Charlotte, Christian, Georgia likes him at defensive back. They're able to add a guy that's, uh, I think, runs a, a, a 10-7, 100-meter dash. He's a guy with big speed as well. They're going to stack the secondary class once again after, you know, bringing in an outstanding class last year. You add him to a, a group that has A.J. Harris. Uh, you know, uh, I think Georgia is, is really building, you know, a group that could push for the number one class overall. I think they got some flips in, uh, in the mix as well. Some guys that, you know, are still kind of thinking things over and, and could end up, you know, playing for or signing with the Georgia Bulldogs and all said and done. So 
I, I think it's going to be an entertaining, uh, you know, couple of days and the transfer portal just only multiplies that as schools try to figure out what they're going to do with their, their last spots. Some announcements, like you said, kept coming on December 21st. Georgia might get a few presents early from uh, from old Santa Claus before Christmas gets here. So before we wrap this episode up, I uh, want to point out for everybody who uh, follows our content, subscribe to us on Wednesday. We are going to have a chance to talk to Kirby Smart and a few players. We're not sure wh- uh, who the players will be, but at noon there's going to be um, some availability, so be a, be on the lookout on the website and also on Twitter. Uh, go out there and uh, tweet some of the updates as we get closer and closer to not only that sign-in period, but also to the Peach Bowl against Ohio State. And then uh, before we get out of here, men's basketball minute. The uh, December period is uh, a pretty uh, sort of spread out one for Georgia. Uh, they played Georgia Tech last week, lost 79-77. Uh, kind of a heartbreaker for Georgia. They led by four with about two minutes to go um, and just didn't score again. Had some missed opportunities, three turnovers on their final three possessions. Uh, a game that I really think that they were kind of kicking themselves they did not win. And they were playing shorthanded, did not have Kyron Lindsay, did not have uh, another player as well. I'm totally blanking on who else was not there. But they played shorthanded um, with a couple of contributors that they count on not able to go and gave uh, Georgia Tech all they could handle in Atlanta. Um, so tough loss. That was really the first game so far this season um, that I thought that they would win, and they did not win. But they're 7-3, and three, still in good shape. Uh, they do not play again until December 18th when they're back in Atlanta to play Notre Dame. And uh, that's going to be another big measuring stick. I think that this Notre Dame team will be good. Uh, second straight ACC opponent that this Georgia team will face. Um, and I'm expecting probably on Friday we'll get a chance to talk to Mike White and, uh, and uh, probably a couple players getting ready for that big game. But other than that, kind of a spread out December. They play uh, Chattanooga. They play Ryder. I think that might be it. It's pretty uh, spread out as far as uh, with exams and also just the holiday season. Um, but again, a big test coming on Sunday against Notre Dame. So we're going to wrap this episode up. Appreciate Kip for popping on. I appreciate everybody who watched this live and listened to it live or is listening to it after the fact, watching the video after the fact. Uh, we appreciate y'all's support. Make sure, again, go take advantage of that 50% off VIP sale with the early signing period because all kinds of nuggets. I uh, think me and Kip both for reading uh, Rusty's story right before we popped on when he mentioned Dominic Lovett as a guy that uh, could be in the mix for Georgia. So all kinds of good intel, and uh, we appreciate those of you who do subscribe, and I can't wait to see the rest of you guys on there as well. So uh, we'll wrap up this episode. Uh, For Kip Adams, I am Jordan Hill. Appreciate everybody's time. Appreciate everybody taking a chance to watch and listen. And until next time, take care. Rise up. now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.